Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have a sensational discussion about flywheel training with Paul Cater. Paul sits down and talks with us right away about how we got into using the flywheel and where this passion for using this form of resistance really came from. Uh, he then dives right into the benefits that he sees of using the flywheel versus gravity-based training uh, with things like the barbell and that stuff. And then he starts talking about training styles, where how the American style versus the European style kind of have molded how he looks at things. And his time in Europe working with rugby has really uh, changed how he looks at developing athletes. He finishes off getting into how he intermixes them and how he looks at things uh, like Olympic weightlifting and traditional barbell lifting and how he combines the flywheel with that in his programming. It is some really awesome stuff, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, man. 
It's great to be here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So listen, how about we give everybody like the Cliff Notes version here and, and let them know where you are, what you're doing, and, and what you're getting into. Cool. Okay. Uh, here in working out of Salinas, California, which is on the central coast of California, about 90, 90 miles south of um, San Francisco. Uh, born and raised here. Um, the last basically 18 years is seen about seven years in London working with pro rugby and, and soccer. Um, I've been with professional baseball for the last uh, six seasons with the Baltimore Orioles. And um, from those two uh, sport scenes, I, you know, wanted to create a little bit more of a home base and get off the road a little bit. So I started a, a training center here just to be real, be closer to home really. And, and uh, kind of develop some, you know, all the theories and methods, you know, a little, la little laboratory here. So in between seasons and traveling. So anyway, that's from where I'm coming from. And, and yeah, it's great. It's great to be on, on, yeah. on you guys today. Yeah, man. And stoked to really talk about one tool in particular that you, you're very well known for. So how about, how about we get people going with how you got involved with using the flywheels and, and let's start from there. Cool. Yeah. That's like I was telling you earlier, it's, it's been my passion. I, I say my life work, um, if you can say so, such a thing, uh, for the last, well, since 2003. Um, the story goes that I, I got in touch with the, the Versapoli guys. Um, they were, uh, there was an ad, I think, in an NCA, in an NSCA journal about a, a trip, like a mission trip or something going overseas uh, for a, a sports science ministry, which was kind of cool. So I, I wanted to combine my faith and a little bit of my uh, passion for training and, and get back to Spain, really, because I played football over there for two years in Barcelona. So uh, I met, met a guy named Craig Schenk, met uh, Dan Charnitsky, and, um, and really met the Versapoli and, and flywheel uh, iso-inertial technology, which was um, – was was revolutionary for me it really opened my eyes it, it, it was a missing link in in my training um i i was pretty pretty good at barbell movements the olympic movements um uh was like you know 140 kg clean guy self-taught crossfit didn't exist um there was no youtube to watch <laughs> pierce demos and these other guys so I, I kind of was just fumbling my way through the Olympic movements. Um, was working out with a track team, getting ready for football at UC Davis, and uh, so it, to me, it was it just captured my imagination, and uh, that was that was it. So um, yeah, I, I basically started hanging out with those guys and, and using the verse pulley to to open doors and create conversation, and, and um, really that led to. A job in 2005 with London Wasps Rugby Club, um, world-class rugby and uh, professional rugby in in the UK, and and um, and I guess my real first um, significant I think project with with Flywheel was doing was doing rehab projects for for rugby and using it as a as a metabolic conditioning tool. Um, which was great because again, the whole idea that using a, a barbell for metabolic conditioning was, I think, still kind of new in, in terms. It wasn't 
definitely wasn't in the in the general population. Um, it wasn't like you know there was no CrossFit Games at that point. So uh, the rugby team, uh, Craig White from um, from from the Wasps, who who had gone on to work with um, the British uh, Lions and whatnot, but at a high high level in soccer and rugby over there. But he kind of we met. I brought this tool. He he thought it was interesting. He wanted a little bit of an American football um, bent with his with with the rehab and uh, conditioning for rugby players over there. There was a lot of money and resources in the early stages of professional rugby. And next thing I knew, I was over there for um, five seasons with with London, living in London. So and it was really on the back of this of this one tool. So I could say that tool got me a job overseas and then i use that tool to condition rehabbing players uh, and, get, and get them back faster really than than using gravity gravitational based in, um, inertia for conditioning so anyway that's that's kind of the my uh longer elevator speech of how i got involved and in, and in overseas and and using it in, in, a, in a team setting so and, yeah. let's talk about why Let's talk about yeah. what you, what draws you to it or drew you to it and keeps you drawn to it. And let's talk about some of the, the, the benefits that you see and, and right. why you see those. Right. So, again, I, I, um, I really saw it through the lens of conditioning, um, working, coming from American football and into rugby and just, just getting my mind blown with, with just as the levels, the conditioning levels that had to be, you know, these guys had to – uh, work for 80 minutes, you know, carry a lot of muscle mass. And, um, I th- thought the a couple benefits from the flywheel were, were perfect for conditioning effects. Um, first of all, you have longer, you know, impulse through concentric displacement. So you get, you know, the whole time under tension issues is, 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 is awesome, you know, cause there's so many grappling movements and issues in, in rugby that you need to contend with. But then, obviously, the the eccentric overload um, that you that you get on the on the um, on the pullback, and then doing it in a consecutive fashion. So, I was I was seeing with the barbell movements that you're only you know you had these breakdowns in the wrist, in the hand, in the shoulder. You couldn't perf- you couldn't get deeper into the metabolic uh, uh, conditioning effect without having mechanical breakdowns. And with with the flywheel, you can keep reproducing keep reproducing movements without having these breakdowns in, in the grip, grip strength, wrist, shoulder, and obviously the technical aspects of repeated Olympic movements is, is, is always, you know, problematic anyway. So I was able to um, circumnavigate some of these, you know, if a guy had a shoulder issue or his uh, cervical spine issue, you know, I was rehabbing a guy named Phil Vickery, um, English rugby captain at, at some point, but, you know, he had back surgery so it's like how do you how do you load this guy well enough where you can you can get these uh, advanced conditioning models so for me that i guess the point the bigger point in a nutshell is lower impact with higher um nervous system adaptations but when done consecutively you can get these these uh, awesome conditioning effects which frankly i don't think is is really being looked at enough with this um, you know, you're look, we're looking at, we're still in the American context. We're looking at, you know, peak, 
if you look at more in the European sport context of soccer and, and rugby, you're looking at really con- these conditioning effects and how do you get you know, power endurance, so to speak, without having to run. It's, it's, uh, it was pretty special. So we, we had, I had some good results there with some guys. And um, I think I still look at it in, in that element of, you know, conditioning in the gym for on-field performance. And I'm starting to see more of that for baseball too, to be honest. All right, so let's keep going there. So let's talk about that American sense versus the European sense. Break that down a little bit for us, and and, and let's kind of see if we can cross the streams a bit and connect right. those two or, or even separate them further. Right, right. So going overseas uh, in 2005, right, so um, you're coming from an American football, um, you know, training environment and up, up until then I, I believe in the 90s you know it's just like you got nebraska football and you know you have some of the some of the early days of proper strength conditioning in, in colleges but you know it's it's all it's barbell based and i think the american culture in general is you know hey when, when i was a kid it was bigger faster stronger it was the three you know core lifts and you, you know it was just about pushing as much weight as, as possible and um, obviously in, in the European scheme, there's the sports are, uh, soccer, especially are, are less upper body involved, but even in rugby, you're, you know, that the, the, the barbell culture, let's say, let's call it, um, you know, wasn't as strong. And so all the sports science was, was coming out of soccer at that point. And, the, and you had these awesome conditioning protocols, but uh, I think it was Watt, the, my, the, the the rugby club I was involved with that really championed the the you know quote unquote power endurance metabolic conditioning in the gym using these barbell movements. But so I got there, I saw oh, okay, there's there's a there's a way to condition. It's not just about peak power and strength. And then I saw the application immediately because you just of the dangers and the risks of repeated barbell movements. You know, I remember. Going in in the gym, uh, the strength coaches for in rugby are much more involved. It, it, it well, there's just different levels. I mean, you're a tackling dummy, you're you're catching punts, um, you're you know you're you're wrestling with guys. You're just you. It's a, there's a great physical element in, in a different way than an American strength coach, I think, in the weight room. But um, you're much more involved on on the pitch. So anyway. You'd be wrestling a guy, you'd be grappling with them, and then you'd be, you know, spotting these weights in, in these precarious situations, and which was great. But I thought, well, the, this, the flywheel is perfect for this because you're able to have maintain these peak peak power levels a little bit safer and go really deep into the into the in the conditioning elements, and uh, it was exciting. So I started doing it there. But the, I, I guess the point being is, you know. When you walk into a weight room in London, in, in England, in, early, in the middle 2000s, again, Olympic lifting wasn't a general, you know, a general population thing. I mean, now now in London you'll have CrossFit gyms everywhere as well, but it was relatively new back then. Mm-hmm. You know, Olympic weightlifting was the realm of the sport of weightlifting. You know, it, so. I remember we we'd go to Poland for training camps and we we would be in this in this old you know ex-Soviet facility which was awesome. They had a cryotherapy chamber there and 
you go into the Olympic weightlifting hall, it was, it was, you know, amazing. It was, it blew my mind, you know? So, um, but that was just crossing over into kind of the, in, into kind of the common practice in, in rugby. It wasn't in soccer at all. So, you know, you're never, you're not going to get these soccer players that put a bar on their back or carry weight, you know, things like this. So, and a lot of that is due to the metabolic demands of, of their sports, but just the, just the mindset. They weren't in American football, you know, training, training environment where there's 50 platforms and whatnot. So that was more for the realm of Olympic weightlifting halls and the sport itself. If that, if, I don't know if that makes sense. You can maybe. No, hundred percent. hundred percent. No, I'm, I'm, I'm straight with you all the way here. So now let's, let's fast forward and talk about how you're implementing it now and how, how, if any, crossover is there going on with, with other implements as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess kind of I went through a phase where I tried to replicate the barbell um, Olympic movements with the flywheel for everything. You know, This is before I had really seen um, Pertesh's yo-yo and then uh, the K-Box. Um, and so I was using the, the verse ploy for all the, you know, vertical lifting elements, um, which is really in my mind, it's, it's the ideal rotational, um, develop development, but for, for the flywheel, but, uh, working on a cone, you can go in different angles and whatnot. But, um, so I was using it for everything. I mean, I was replicating cleans. I was replicating squats, doing belt squats. I was, I was, I was doing push press. I, you know, I, I, I was trying to just eliminate the barbell entirely. Uh, so I, you know, as you, as you know, you, sometimes you get these bias in these ideas and then you, you take them a little f- too far. But, um, what, what it did was it helped me understand the limitations of, of what, what you can't re- replicate with e- even now with, um, I would say, um, the, with the, with the K box, for example, you know, I can do my first and second pulls of the of the clean. I can do different squatting elements, but you know, obviously, just certain things you just can't replicate if you take out the barbell. So, I guess coming back to America and then working with 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 the Orioles, my boss was, you know, we kind of reignited my passion for Olympic lifting again, and then how to blend those two things. So, wh- wh- where does the flywheel augment? your barbell work, where does it replace it? How can you even prepare in the session for your barbell movements? How do you add it at the end of the session for more of the metabolic aspects? It's been fun to kind of blend after working through these um, biases and these environments where I was kind of went to one extreme or the other, you know, if if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I've, um, you know, I think coming full circle now is like, how do you really implement this and where do you replicate or where, where do you eliminate the barbell entirely? And it's been fun to, to go on those, on, on that journey, especially now that I'm working with some different populations, um, even in corporate fitness at, at, at this point too. So, um, it's been a long journey of, um, of remo- removing myself from that feel that we talked about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on the feel um, it's hard to explain if you haven't used it. Um, I, I, so I've kind of had to temper myself <laughs> over the years. And, but I think I'm, I'm closer now 
to being balanced in my approach of how and when to use it. So anyway, if that makes sense. No, 100%, man. And, I, and what I love the most about it is that, you know, the, I think a lot of people, especially in our field, oddly enough, marry exercises, you know, and there's like a divorce rate of greater than 50% in this country with people. So I couldn't imagine how the breakup would be with a barbell. Um, it's, yeah, it's, um, I can, yeah. I mean, I, I really took pride in my, in my, my strength, um, early on in my life. I think that's, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed lifting, you know, that's kind of what, you know, why we all get involved in this, in this business probably is we have some capacity to do it ourselves or sprinting and, you know, whatever element of condition, you know, strength conditioning. Um, but so it, it took me leaving the, <laughs> the country and immersing myself in a different culture to really go away from, from that. And then it was a shock to come back and then try to convince my boss. <laughs> well, I, I think it, the telling thing, so I came back and I was preaching flywheel so much how you, you know, you have this, you know, where along the force velocity curve it's applicable and, and, and how much, you know, the, the force paradigms are similar and, and, and like peak power and wattage, wattage and all these things. And, but then I got under, over a bar and tried to get under a bar and I was pretty, pretty, pretty sorry at it. So, I mean, it was a practiced element, but there was definitely something missed from the grip strength and the, the whole seek sequence of lifting from the floor but um so it was it was hard to sell him because he's like man you can't even you can't even clean clean this amount when when you let before you left to europe you could do this amount and i was like so it's been a little bit of a process of um, convincing people i think it the scope is the barbell right so you can I'm say sorry, oh say you, that replicate this, you can replace this all you want say that one more time like the, the the scope of, I think, again, the American view is is through steel, you know, is through the barbell more than ever, you know. So unless it, it's been – I had to get my clean back up to sell flywheel almost or people were like, well, you're getting weaker in this aspect. But um, that's another conversation of how much really the uh, skill element of Olympic lifting is is necessary. You know, because I was trying to tell him I'm healthier in this regard. I'm I have more, I'm more robust. I'm not getting injured as much. I'm faster. I'm more agile. But then I but I can't lift as much. Um, but people want to see just how much you can lift and move weight. So um, that's kind of been that kind of led me back to where do I need to filter? Where do I need to uh, blend both? You know, and um, keep practicing my Olympic lifting so I can convince people of the relevancy of the flywheel. It's almost a rhetoric. Cause I'm still, I'm not convinced that, you know, as my clean goes up that I'm, I'm more athletic. I, I I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, less on the, along those lines. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess the real question is how, <laughs> how much freeway, you know, is, is relevant. And then how much do we need to be working these, higher eccentric overloads and, and velocities. Um, anyway. 100%. Does that I make love, sense? Oh, I don't dude, know. Again, I I'm love rambling. It. I'm, I'm no. going to just get off my own world there. But no, that's brilliant. And I think it's that, kind of that's... hard to unpack a little bit because, uh, again, it's, it's about, it's about geography. 
like geography's destiny in, in a lot of ways. I heard a pro- history professor say that. And, um, you know, going, going overseas and being almost, rem- I, you know, I, I hadn't seen a baseball game live or on TV for about eight years or seven, yeah, seven years. And the next thing I knew, I was thrust into Major League Baseball. I had a locker in the Orioles clubhouse. And um, it was just kind of a fascinating <laughs> approach. I mean, it, the same with rugby. I'd never seen a rugby game until I got over to England and started working for one of the best rugby clubs in the world with, you know, 15 international players. Of, you know, So it's, I, it's been fun. The whole idea of bias and where it takes us, and I've been thrust in these different worlds. Um, but the, anyway, back to the barbell. It's it's. I think the conversation really needs to be where 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 can flywheel replace barbell work, especially with the conditioning elements that we're seeing, especially in the general population, which is affecting the the. Uh, elite sports in uh, worlds in college and pros because where do where do people understand training from is general population stuff you know the gyms back home where they grew up you know the off-season training training locations and college and pro strength and conditioning coaches are having to contend with that you know so this this to me is a conversation about um you know, just like where do we use the right tools and when do we use them and how do we get smarter going forward and almost work against some of these um, current trends in the general public that are affecting the more the elite the elite environment. I love the it. The trickle, trickle up effect, you know. Yeah, man, I love it. And I, and I think that the whole idea of like, you know, when you're talking about you, you need to sell – the results you're able to get with this other stuff by having the numbers that coaches want. I think it's a really interesting conundrum because the numbers we should want are faster and quicker and more agile. But a lot of the numbers that people want to show or talk about or, or display are the squat bench and clean. And I think that that's pretty rad that you, you threw that out like that. Well, it's, it's um, yeah, because we're, we're we're taught from an early age, you know. I mean, at least in my growing up in the, you know the '90s of a high school. Uh, but I, I think it's still it's still the same thing now, you know. These high school, and let's take you know high school football, obviously. Is that's all that matters, you know? And 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 then it's either that it's like okay, squat a lot, and then um, and then go do a footwork ladder. It's like okay, well, there's these massive gaps. In, in athletic development that are, are, are being driven from, you know, media marketing. I mean, you know, no one's asking how well do you decelerate? Um, you know, what's your rate of eccentric loading and what's your coupling time and all these, even this rate of force development. I mean, I, I like the, the whole velocity based training, but what's, how is it relevant without knowing how you, how you preload, how you handle, how do, how you handle, force before that 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 maximum velocity because you just build these bigger engines guys can jump on boxes higher but they can't they don't have the brakes and the 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 structure around it to slow down and that's where you're still seeing these um you know the the acl and ucl injuries obviously are the two killers for for let's say football and um and baseball so yeah 
the, 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 I'm hoping to change the conversations around a bit, you know, at least saying, okay, eccentric overload or, you know, how do you decelerate? Now we can measure these things pretty easily. And, um, that needs to be the most important thing. It's damn hard to sell to kids. It's, it's hard to sell to, to coaches and strength coaches around and then parents. It's not sexy, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> they want to know that. Yeah. They wanted the thousand pound club t-shirt. Yeah. So I, anyway. So then how do you pair them together to make, to make that happen? Well, you know, I, so now I, my gym or my, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's in, in, in Salinas, you, um, I work with a lot of different populations, you know, so to get the gym space I wanted, I, I really, um, had to take on some more of the corporate training element but it's the same i see the same trends even with professional baseball or whatever sports is people have less time to train you need you need higher neural adaptations in in lesser time with lesser with less wear and tear on the joint um and you don't need to build unnecessary muscle mass i mean again uh, you know olympic lifting is fun i love it it's a sport in itself right i mean to get it's 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 there's not an exponential return on investment to after a certain point. I felt that in my own my own self. My front squat has to be such. But then I my hamstring development. There's less time on that. There's less time sprinting. It's just a function of time, I guess, to answer your question. So, for me, this is all about time, and how much time I have with an athlete, whether they're a corporate desk jockey or whether they're they're a big league pitcher. You only have so much time to gain those adaptations, and if all the time's spent on skill on the skill building part of how to handle 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 weight, then you're going to be out of time, and you're not going to put the right amount of time in, in the things you need. So, um, I started to make decisions based on time, and then implement the tools. I would rather use flywheel to enact the deadlift. In the, the pulling portions, then maybe maybe go the barbell route. Do you think? Do I think the barbell route is you can get the same effect? Yeah, but it just takes too much time to do to teach at, at times with high school kids, with college kids, with pro pro athletes. And then what you see, like even in the CrossFit and the general population, is to get as you get better, you have to spend more time doing it. So. I don't know but many people who, once they have a kid, can spend an hour warming up for snatch. You know, like I, I can't do that anymore. I can't spend an hour warm up for my, for my, for my, then to train. You know what I mean? So it's help. It's the flywheels help me shorten the amount of time to, to for adaptation. In a, in a given sport, and unless your sport's weightlifting, then there's some real decisions need to be made if what's what's efficient. Hundred percent, because at the end of the day, the ROI is the ROI, and you got to make sure that you're getting the most out of it. And it's a sales, it's a sales job. I think, um, as again, you know, I, at some point, the CrossFitters, and I bring that into the into the in the conversation because it's again, it's the trickle effect of, you know, everyone's Olympic weightlifting coach now. You can do it anywhere. Um, Whereas 10, 20 years ago, it was 
pretty hard to find a place to go lift outside of college weight room, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that that whole my, that whole mentality of oh the barbell is king is I, I you know I think it's efficient or, or time time effective way. I mean you have these kids now who are playing all these sports and kids are spending so much time with leather lessons and doing this that and the other that it's it's hard to go through those progressions. So I, what I do is I, I, I trickle, trickle them in, but then when I really want more of the, some of the more higher, higher force, um, higher speed work, I'll, I'll, I'll do the bar, I'll do the, um, the flywheel. I love it. So it's like, learn, yeah, learning the movements over time. You need a long, you need a five-year plan with teaching snatch, clean jerk, but and you and you trickle you, you you continue on that path, and if you have if you're lucky enough to have an athlete for five years, and then but then you get straight to the point you get to the nitty gritty with the uh, <laughs> with the flywheel when it, when it's all said and done. Yeah, teach them, keep them building, and then get the stuff that's really gonna get the bang for right. the buck on top. Yeah, of so it. we'll we'll I'm about fifty fifty at this point in my programming where I will always add an Olympic movement or or um, the strength element with, with feeling weight through the spine, you know, it's just, you need to feel, feel weight with gravity, but then I will quick and the rest of the session, I'll um, implement flywheel with rotationally and, and um, you know, with with K box and yo-yo and the, and the fixed planes. So it's, 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 I I do both though. I definitely. And, um, one with a little bit longer term view of, of what, where I'm going with it. I mean, there's nothing better than learning how to sequence a bar, pull from the floor. The flexibility issues are awesome. I mean, the flexibility development's second to none. There's still not great pushing exercises with with the, with the um, with flywheel. There's not great overhead exercises with flywheel. So the barbell is necessary for that. Oh, I love it. I love it, man. And this is some killer stuff, but. I know you put some great stuff out there on the gram too. So where can people find more about what Paul's doing? Where can they follow you and see what's going on out there? Yeah. Um, at coach underscore cater. Um, that's, I, I try to, I have more ki- pictures about my kid and <laughs> other things and dog these days. But, um, I usually, usually get some flywheel work in there once a week. Um, I know for baseball seasons coming up, so we're doing more rotational work with Versapulli. Um, K-Box is in there a lot. Um, starting to work with Yo-Yo a bit more with some more hamstring development. And, you know, I, my my thing is the fixed machines that you see in the gym are going to be redone with flywheel elements. Um, the specificity is going to be more in velocities and and more internally in the, in the muscles synergies rather than in everything has to be mega functional in resistance training. I think there's going to be a, a, a return to fixed machines, leg, leg curl, leg press. But with flywheel, they're going to, you're going to be able to work in these functional timing patterns, which um, allows more time for, for free motion and in, in the skill sets instead of having to spend all day trying to learn how to, how to do the Olympic movements. The Olympic movements, I predict, in 20 years are going to go back to being a sport in itself. I mean, you already see it with 
CrossFit Games, it's a sport, you know. Whether CrossFit's going to be an Olympic sport, I mean, that's going to be interesting where, where, where it goes. But um, weightlifting might be back in, the, in those big uh, – as an Olympic sport and, you know, arguably where, where it may have – should have always been. But that's kind of a, a bigger, longer-term view. Yeah. You know. And, of course, Alpha Sports Science, too. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, forget about that, man. I, um, the website, I got to beef that up a bit and do a little bit better job there. But that's kind of the bare bones of where we're at. I mean, really, we have a, we have a place. I have kind of a, you know, a place where we, where we learn. We, you know, anyone else, anyone's always welcome to come out, spend some time. We have, I think, five K-boxes. We have five Versapolis. I've always wanted to re- replicate that model where you have, you know, the coll- collegiate model where you have a, your weight, your weightlifting platform, but you have your rotational flywheel, you have your um, vertical element, and um, so I'm kind of passionate about creating that that model for going forward. But yeah, anyone's always welcome to come out to the Central Coast. It's a great place uh, if you're in t- if you're around in the Bay Area or anything or LA. Just come up and check us out, hang out, train for a day. Awesome, man. Well, hey, Paul, I can't thank you enough, brother. This is absolutely fantastic stuff. People are going to love it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. I look forward to chatting later. Yeah, bro. Appreciate it. We'll be in touch real soon. Thanks a lot. And a huge thanks to Paul Cater for sitting down and being so open, honest, and candid with us today. Guys, an awesome story, a great little voyage over to Europe and back and, and bringing some great tools with him. And he is a great tool. If you're interested in learning more about the flywheel and how he's using it, follow him at coach underscore cater on the gram. He is putting out great stuff all the time. Paul, can't thank you enough for being so open, honest, and candid in your sharing. Absolutely fantastic stuff. And as always, guys, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. If you know someone who can benefit from this talk, tag them below. Hit them with a DM. Tweet it at them. Email it to them. Whatever it may be. Again, just trying to get the best information possible out there to all the great coaches that are involved with Central Virginia Sport Performance. And as always, guys, thank you for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.